G'day, mate. Oh, g'day, mate. How you going? Yeah, good. How are you? Uh, yeah, not too bad. Uh, I'm going to try and add Campy to this chat. Let's see if he picks up the phone. If he doesn't, it's a, a you and me chat, all right? Okay. Best of luck to you. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> It's not looking good. The person you are calling is oh. not available. Please leave a short message and it will... No, absolutely no good. Doesn't answer his phone. <laughs> <laughs> well, Useless. classic, classic. That's okay. There's plenty to talk about. Tommy T, um, I feel like this is some kind of very average uh, Melbourne-based FM radio breakfast show. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's what we're going for, right? We've got Tommy on the line from Melbourne. Uh, Tommy, uh, what's your question this morning? Uh, I just want to talk about public transport and how it's just not not good. <laughs> You're bloody right, why Tommy. Is, why isn't there a train all the way to Mornington where I specifically need to go? <laughs> specifically from Melbourne, an easy and a direct Tommy T route. No stopping, exactly. only exclusively there. Express. Ex- express yeah. for the coffee. It, it would suit and benefit the people of Victoria and, in, in fact, the world if, if you could do Agreed. that. Um, Please do that. Tommy T. Uh, We spoke, we caught up yesterday. We did two whole podcasts yesterday. um, And listener, you get to hear those in the next couple of weeks. Very exciting stuff. Uh, But since literally between leaving your place and arriving back here at home, so much happened uh, to the point. That's how it works, right? That's true. Um, We need an emergency podcast. What I really enjoyed is I think when Seb Vettel left, Aston Martin and sort of announced his retirement. A lot of dominoes fell pretty quickly with like Alonso and trying to figure out who was going to go into Alpine, what was happening with Danny Rick. And I would have said it was like fairly quick. And then all the team principals were like, hold my VB. I'm going to do this in a day. (laughs) Yep. Yeah, every time. It's always the the domino. And it seems like there was one domino that had to fall this time. And then we've seen it fall over the next not even 24 hours, is it? It's just yeah. been an explosion. Very ridiculous. So I've, I've written a bit of a timeline here uh, for us to have a quick chat about. So Bonotto leaves Ferrari. That happened only fairly, really fairly recently. But um, yep. interestingly enough, on the 15th of November, there was a, I think there was a, a press statement put out by Ferrari to say that Fred Vasseur would not be the team principal of Ferrari, all but guaranteeing that that was going to be the case. Yeah, it's the most Ferrari thing I've ever heard. Yep. So, but not only is Ferrari. Then yesterday morning here in uh, in Australia, we had uh, Yost and FX de Mason have left Williams. That was a bit of yep. a left field announcement. But then we had Sauber announced the departure of Fred, which then all but opened up the possibility that he was going to Ferrari. That was then confirmed. Then Alfa Romeo announced that uh, Seidel was going to join them as CEO and the McLaren is promoted internally. And that all happened within a period of about 10 hours, I feel like. Yeah, it was quick, wasn't it? It, w- it was ridiculously quick. So I just want to go back to, to the beginning because Bonotto, as much as we've sort of said, where's Wally? And I think that was more of a um, a comment about his his appearance by camping yeah. more than his uh, ability. But from what I understand, the call for him to leave Ferrari was made as far back as 2021, which doesn't really surprise me. Um, no. And I think, it's, interestingly, they, apparently they looked at a whole stack of candidates. Of course they would. I mean, Ferrari seems to be like a, a dream job for many team principals, although a bit of a poison chalice, I would argue. Um, yeah. Apparently, a couple were happy to remain in the current projects. 
one wanted a different challenge, so maybe they were speaking to Andreas, uh, and then one was very, Ooh. very interested, which which was Fred. But my question to you is, is a poor-performing Ferrari actually Mattia Bonotto's fault? Uh, I don't think so. I think he's he is probably not the best custodian of that team or team principal. He's very good technically, and that's where his skill set was. And you saw when he was absent and he was having to be called back to the factory, he was very very much required in that aspect of the business. Whereas you look at someone like a, a Toto or a Christian who are there to manage the team during race weekends, and that's something that Mattia never really had as a strong suit, I would argue. So I don't think he's to blame as such, but I, I think Ferrari was not managed as well as it could have been this year, considering how good that car was, is the argument I would make. Yeah, it, it felt like a lot of things went wrong that were pretty basic, like be brilliant at the basics, right? And it felt like that wasn't yeah. the case at all. But, I mean, really the organisation as a whole hasn't performed since Michael Schumacher left. I mean, they yes, they yeah. got a World Drivers' Championship in 2007 kind of accidentally with Kimi, and that gave <laughs> Stefano Domenicali a you know World Drivers' Championship on his record. But since yep. then, you know, team principals like Maurizio uh, didn't really have a, any much luck, but he was a great team principal. You know, he was up there saying, you know, we win and lose together. Um, so, you know, he would take the responsibility for a lot of the blame. Bernardo didn't take a lot of responsibility. But no. for me, TT, it just feels like the board controls Ferrari, not the team principal. It does. And I. so my thought here is if that decision was made that Mattia wasn't the person going forward, why have they not found a candidate long before this to the point where it almost feels like whether this is true or not, that they've announced that Matthias left, some time has elapsed, they've continued to look and still do not have a replacement and then are like, oh, guess we better just drag Fred up, which I don't think is fair to Fred, but that is the appearance uh, that has come across, at least to me initially, is that, oh, we better just grab what we can grab because we need to have someone to start this next endeavour of a season. Um, And I don't think that's – if you've made that decision that Matthias is not the person – why has it taken so long to find someone? Yeah, it's interesting that, that that is what it seems like from the outside. So let's just keep going through this timeline. So Yost, um, Capito, and the, te- the technical director, FX de Mason, have left Williams. And now this is a kind of a potentially a little bit of an outlier. Maybe not. We, we're yet to see where this sort of piece of the puzzle falls here. But um, Yost was brought out of retirement by Dalton Capital um, to, to tr- head up the Williams team and he brought FXD with him. Yeah. Um, and yes, Campy, FXD being FX de Mason not functioned by design shorts, which is <laughs> <laughs> exclusively <laughs> what he wears, I'm pretty sure. Um, and interestingly, Yost has a huge amount of connections to Volkswagen. Yeah. Huge amounts. Yeah. So, this is where I think it potentially plays in. So Sauber then announced the departure of Fred Vasseur a, a couple of hours after that, um, well, okay, probably almost 12 hours after that, and their announcement was glowing. They were so sad to be losing Fred. They were, they yeah. were very happy that he was going on to, you know, bigger and better things, so to speak. And it's interesting. So from what I understand, Fred that knew that once the deal with Audi was done, that he had Rousling, who's in charge of Sauber, he he had his support, but 
he kind of knew that Audi would want to put their own stamp on things. So yeah. he was like, oh, maybe in the short term that's fine, but longer term into 2026 it's potentially not really a thing. Um, yeah. And so I think once that was sort of done and dusted a couple of weeks ago that he probably was like, all right, well, I'm going to be happy to open up this conversation properly with Ferrari. Um, yeah. So it's interesting. So Fred has experience in running the F1 team of Renault in 2016, uh, he only did it for a year and then he resigned because he disagreed with Cyril, which is not surprising whatsoever. <laughs> he has epic success in junior formula teams. And of course he has a history with Charles Leclerc um, yeah. of his time in Sauber. So uh, the, he is, I think the second Frenchman, oh, he is the second Frenchman to run the Ferrari team after Jean Todd. And I think, He's a good choice. I mean, he's a solid performer. Mm. He understands success. He, he's got experience across the paddock. And to be fair to him, Sauber were terrible for years and years and years. And he, you know, to bring them up to sixth in the championship for this year is a yeah. glowing report, I think. And I think stability is something. He, he does seem like a very uh, smooth operator, which is going to be great working with Carlos. But I think his skill set is very much that day-to-day management. He does not want to be front and centre, but he will... Uh, be the kind of meat shield required to protect the team uh, that I think Ferrari will need. Yeah. That is one thing. Because that's something that uh, Mattia would never do, would never own a situation where you see a Christian or a Toto who are excellent and they will always be the one like, direct your eye at me. Do not talk to Max. Do not talk to the team. I'm the I'm the bully. I'm the one to target. And I think that's what these big teams need. And a Ferrari for too long has just been pointing fingers internally mm. and blaming everyone. And that's kind of at the detriment to culture. And then you, you wonder why they're not in unison and pit stops are, are failing and strategy calls are getting blown and things like that are just spilling out into race weekends, let alone in the internal structure of how that company runs. Yeah. So I think he, he's going to be an excellent addition and will bring that stability that Ferrari's looked for for so long. Ferrari, meat on the table, and now a meat shield. <laughs> Outstanding <laughs> content. <laughs> Well, now that Andreas is leaving the UK and heading back to Europe, he can be fully happy that he gets to watch all of those shows that he's been watching happily in the UK because he can get a VPN subscription with NordVPN to be able to watch all of those shows when he gets back to Europe. How exciting for him and it's exciting for you too. You can get two years at a heavily, heavily, heavily discounted rate. And I'm not kidding, it's heavily discounted and four months free. Go have a look, at least check it out. If your current VPN subscription is coming to an end and you want a good deal, I promise you it is worth it. This is the VPN that I chose and started using well before they even contacted me about using, about sponsoring rather, this episode and this podcast. So it is absolutely worth doing. So go to nordvpn.com forward slash lakeside drive to get a subscription that is heavily discounted for two years plus four months free today. And it's 30 days money back guarantee. So no problems. If you don't like it, well, you can just give up on it and go back somewhere else. It's all your choice. Very interestingly though, and this is not the only person that this is interesting for, but Fred's announcement into Ferrari is team principal and general manager. Mattia Bonotto's title was team principal and managing director. So what that suggests to me is that, incorrectly, the Ferrari CEO is going to have a greater role to play in that team. Um, oh, goody. Yeah, and I think that's – I mean, the issue is the board runs the team anyway, so I think having a direct yeah. access is not going to be such a good thing. I hope for Fred's sake that they're able to to grip some stuff up and, and to not have that, but I don't necessarily believe that that's going to happen. So we'll see what happens there. But moving back to Sauber, 
or Alfa Romeo at the moment. So they parted with Fred in a good way, but then Andreas Seidel has been effectively promoted into being the CEO of that team and not team principal. Uh, mm. it's, this is this is interesting. So Andreas had already told McLaren this year that he wanted to be part of the Audi project in 2026. And I think Audi would sort of already assumed that he'd be CEO and potentially that's the reason why Fred was like, okay, there's some writing on the wall here. Maybe I should step away because, you know, Fred was yep. CEO and team principal. So I think that makes sense. Um, Seidel has huge connections to to the Volkswagen group with Porsche and, and Weck. It's interesting to me though, TT, that he leaves McLaren, you know, at a time where they're a little bit all over the place. Of course, DR's departure happened. Yep. It felt like that, you know, that was obviously not a great thing from the board's point of view, whether or not they blamed Zach or Andreas for that or if they blamed anyone at all. But bringing uh, Oscar Piastri in, of course, with connections to yeah. Mark Weber and everything else through that Porsche connection in WEC, which, of course, Weber drove with Seidel in that team. I think is interesting now for him to sort of go, okay, good luck. You're on your own in that respect. Yeah. I'm heading away. And it seems yeah, I, it seems like, TT, that Zach was just pissed about the whole thing. Well, and that's what I was going to point to. I was like, I'm wondering if the relationship between, between Zach and Andreas was as rosy as it was painted. I wonder if uh, Seidel had ambitions and maybe thoughts on how McLaren should be transitioning and how they should be moving their direction, and Zach didn't agree. Zach is a very good business manager and great for sponsorship and that side of the business. But you can't fault that Andreas is a brilliant mind in motorsport and understands like the mechanics of how a team should function. So I'm wondering now if there maybe wasn't a, a unified vision and that's maybe prompted Andreas to take this opportunity early. Because like you said, it was going to be down the track that he'd moved towards when Audi came to the front but. Maybe Fred's leaving an opportunity has prompted this mm. to happen early because McLaren's pretty quick to jump and put someone internal. I think that's a saving face more than it is. And I don't know the person that's been promoted. I, I'm not that entrenched, but I think there'll be quality, but I don't think that is their dream scenario. I think it is we need a mad scramble to make sure we've got someone in that position after the gaping hole that Andreas will leave because he's so crucial to what McLaren were doing in the vision. Yeah. So I wonder if there's maybe not as uh, not as unified as McLaren likes to portray, and uh, we can see that from Daniel. We can see that from everything that's kind of happened over the last two years. Yes, a shiny exterior. What is underneath? Maybe not so easy to get along with. But I think you're right in terms of how McLaren have reacted. To be fair, though, if Andreas is effectively going to be a direct competitor with Zach, as in a CEO of Audi, you know, I think he would look at the mistakes that Zach's made over the last couple of years and go, well, I'm not going to do that again. Uh, yeah. I'm going to take those lessons and and apply them to my own team somewhere else. And having Audi as a manufacturer team in Huge. Formula One is, I would argue, a, a, a much bigger opportunity for him to build it into something amazing. And, and who knows? Yeah. I mean, they might come out of the blocks in 2026 and absolutely smash everyone else. And McLaren might still be battling around fourth, fifth, trying to figure out what their car's doing. So, look, I think yeah. Andreas is exceptionally talented. What he's done to build McLaren back up from the Stoffel Van Dorn, Fernando Alonso era where running down the back was a regular yep. occurrence, I think needs to be needs to be praised. But certainly the media releases, it's interesting you read Alfa Romeo's media release versus McLaren's media release about this situation and they're two completely different tones. Mm, yeah, I agree. It's, it's very interesting. But 
we will see. I think it's interesting that it happened early, and I think that really gives, in my mind, Audi a head start on being very competitive in that first year out. If if Andreas has moved over now and his whole focus is on that transition, yes, we've got to continue as we are, but let's stick with DB, let's stick with some, some other quality drivers until then. Uh, but our whole goal is when Audi transitions um, and we move away from Alfa Romeo uh, and he can put his whole focus on that, kind of like we were talking about with some teams in the new regs as opposed to continuing with the current season as it was. I think his whole focus is going to be on that change uh, and coming out of the gates really hot as Audi. Yeah, it's going to be bloody awesome to see. There's already a couple of people on our Discord uh, who have suggested that potentially this opens up a good opportunity for Danny Rick to have a seat in 2024 with Sauber ahead of an Audi takeover. And we don't know what's going to happen in terms of that team now and what Andreas is going to do. Of course, he's still yet to announce a team principal in that role. Um, my initial thought was that Jos Capito might be brought across to fill mm. that role, but uh, apparently Rene Rossin from Prema in F2 and F3 has been linked to step up into Formula 1 to take that role on, which would be very interesting. I mean, Rene is incredible, very, very talented, yeah. and that Prema team has been dominant for years and years and years. Yet another Oscar connection that is not going to be... That's right. That. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, interesting. Oscar to leave McLaren straight away? My favourite... Oh, geez, wouldn't that be hilarious? My favourite um, comment on, on Discord from, from all of this is that uh, McLaren have no money left after paying out Danny Rick, so removing an <laughs> S from the team principal door seemed like a good budget choice in the promotion of Andrea <laughs> over Andreas. Look, Andreas Stella apparently is highly regarded by the board and in the paddock, but I can't think, yeah, I can't help but to think he's been tasked to rearrange the deck chairs on the Titanic TT. It just feels like yeah. the team is not really in a in an amazing place. Yes, they're on the up inverted commas, but I mean, it's not like it's a real shiny, awesome, everyone's cohesive at the moment. And maybe that'll change. And maybe he, you know, I mean, team principals don't grow on trees. If you look at Otmar Safnau, for example, he was not team principal for a long time in that Force India squad, but then yeah. finally stepped up into the role after it all went to, to shit, basically. <laughs> with, yep. And um, and Lawrence bought the team. And I think it just highlights, again, like McLaren's struggles, I would put to a lot of it is going to be using a different power unit and their manufacturing. You look at the works teams and how well they're doing, and if you're not a works team, you are really struggling. And I think that's a huge part of McLaren's problems and where they've gone wrong. Interesting, because they produce road cars. Why aren't they investigating into making power units? I think that's a massive misstep and something that they probably should look at. Um, but yeah, that team is scrambling, I think. And you're right, that's a great analogy about rearranging the deck chairs. <laughs> is that they could find themselves inverting with what is soon to be Audi uh, and trading places in the grid, um, which would be devastating for McLaren fans. But also, it's not too long ago that we saw them like hovering around the back of the grid. Yeah. there There is so much going on in the world of Formula One and so many good things as in, you know, teams down the back. And I, I can't help but to think of, you know, the Marcus Ericsson era of that blue and gold Sauber that was like, and Pascal Verlein, all they were doing were coming mm. last, you know, they were doing what Williams and Haas are doing the last couple of years. So the yep. fact that they're getting further ahead, you know, and they're on a long-term progression towards the front. So look, I'm bloody stoked about that. Uh, TT, before we wrap up this morning segment of FM radio, uh, let's look at Williams. <laughs> Who do you think would be a good team principal for that squad? Oh, it's interesting, isn't it? Um, 
I don't know what they do. I really like the the direction they took with Yost. I think that was different. Coming from a different motorsport, bringing some different kind of expertise was really beneficial. We saw uh, him as a custodian of that team work really well for culture and kind of moving them forward competitively. Uh, I'm unsure. I don't think promoting internally is always the best thing for some uh, a team like them, but I'm sure that uh, Dalton will have a lot of uh, candidates that they're eyeing off, maybe even not from the motorsport as such, and more someone of like Toto Zilk, who is very business and structured, has a motoring background, obviously, but maybe someone more of that cut. Well, here's two names for you. Uh, before we wrap up, Jensen Button, who's already an advisor, True. and Susie Wolf. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, and I think those kind of personalities would be excellent for just promoting the team and putting Williams in the spotlight. Mm. But also, I think as leaders, they're excellent. They're great communicators, and that's something that uh, was probably lacking, I guess, even for Yost. He was excellent, but we didn't see a lot of him. I suppose that maybe he was a bit more of an under the radar, less known. It doesn't help when your team's not doing well in his defence. Yeah. But no, I think they're, they're both great candidates. It would be a shame to lose JB uh, from the telecast as a selfish point of view, wouldn't it? But <laughs> You're right. I think it would be it would be great and what an opportunity for him to, to get into Formula 1 and really have some impact. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see. I mean, Susie Wolf no longer is a team principal in Formula E because McLaren bought out that Mercedes team. So she's got yep. some availability. Um, yeah. And I'm sure the Wolf family would uh, be happy to commit to the full calendar. We, we belong to the in Formula that, One calendar now. <laughs> there is, there is only that. Inadvertently become a junior team, like by virtue of your partner is working for another team. Well, let's That's be fair. Mercedes would be the junior team to Williams then in that respect because <laughs> Susie is an absolute boss <laughs> and I would, yeah. I would genuinely love to see her in that role. I'm here for that dynamic. That would be very interesting to see spouse competing uh, in that kind of arena mm. uh, and just like what information you can take home. All the yeah. NDAs and <laughs> embargoes and stuff. It's like, sorry, I can't talk to you about that yeah. at dinner. We are competitors. Well, and of Very course, I mean, Toto used to have, be a part owner of that team and be invested. So anyway, yeah. very, very interesting indeed. Well, TT, that is our emergency podcast phone call, FM radio show. Um, call 9699-0001 if you want to be on the podcast. I don't know where that number Sorry, goes. Don't, don't call it. Uh, but yeah, it'll be interesting to see. So we'll uh, we'll see what happens with, with Williams. But uh, it, it feels like you walk into the casino, that big spinning wheel. It just feels like you put a couple of faces on there, give it a spin and see who lands. Yeah, wildness. Yeah. Uh, Well, thanks to Campy for picking up the phone, you jerk. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And we'll see you next time on Lakeside Drive. Bye.